Welcome to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. This is where we explore the journey from no one to number one. We are here to help you go from no one to number one. As usual, hit me up in the chat. If you're uh, digging what's going on, throw up a number one in the chat. Uh, Interu Health, Seya Sama, Wed176, Mike the Monk, Spock, Devin Idaho, Thorn Coyote, Strong, Combat Fitness. What's up? Joe Louis Ortiz. Happy to see you guys. Uh, it is April 4th. And it's snowing in Colorado. Ugh, it's killing me, dude. I got to get to Florida. That is my goal. My goal is to get to Florida. I don't know how many of you guys know this, but like, I'm kind of, I'm not stuck, but um, I move around and uh, lived in, obviously, uh, Colorado, a couple different cities, Denver, a uh, small town known as Buena Vista, which is kind of close to the city made famous uh called South Park. <laughs> uh lived in San Francisco, lived in Oakland, lived in Berkeley, lived in LA, Dana Point, Costa Mesa, Salt Lake City. Where else? I think that's about it. Uh but next step is Florida. I I just feel like it's the next step for me. Uh given all the business opportunities. What's up, Paul? Happy to see you. Quietly David. Um, yeah, so today I want to talk about business, sales, wrestling, all the kind of stuff uh, that we normally talk about today. The subject's going to be how to close more deals than you ever thought possible. Okay, so this is something that is very near and dear to my heart because for the last 30 years or so, I have really spent a lot of work trying to master business. And one of the biggest, most important things to understand in business is how to master the art of selling and closing. So odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're already in sales of some capacity. Yeah, you may not know it, or you may be looking into getting into sales. By the way, we are, as ever, not only with number one, but also scientific wrestling, hiring for commission-based salespeople. Fantastic opportunity. Have some high ticket items so you can make some money. So stay tuned. So let me tell you the key to success in any business is knowing how to close deals. Now, a deal could be for money. Okay. Big money deals. I've done that. I've done $100,000 deals. Crazy. I haven't done million dollar deals yet. I'm working on it, working on it. Um, but you know, the, the thing you have to understand is it's not just money deals. I've closed deals with Carl Gotch, who is brutal, hard to do deals with. I've closed deals with Billy Robinson. You know, you understand where I'm going with this, right? So being able to close a deal is very, very important. Getting married, man, that's closing a deal. Maybe the biggest deal. I closed a deal with my wife, one of the most beautiful women on the planet, successful, not just looks, you know, a good human being closed that deal. So if you can't close deals, you're not going to be successful. That's what I want to talk about today. 
So what does it take to close more deals than you ever thought possible? Okay, first thing you need to do is you've got to get your mindset right. You've got to believe that you can close every deal that comes your way. Because doubt, man, you got it. People can sniff it out. They'll be less likely to buy from you. Okay, how do you get rid of that doubt? How do you get that confidence? One huge factor is be prepared. You need to know what you're selling, whether it's a product, service, or yourself, inside and out and sideways. And you need to know all the objections that possibly could come so you already have them handled, so you have a response, right? So know your product, articulate the value of the product or the service or yourself in a way that actually is understood by your prospect, okay? Now, just prepping alone ain't going to get you there because you got to also got to have a plan, like a process that you follow every single time that you refine. It's like a recipe, okay, that's going to move them from just being interested into closing the deal and working with you, okay? Now, you've got to be fearless. Because the hardest part for a lot of people is just asking for the sale. You've got to be willing to push a little harder than the person is comfortable with, but not so hard that you turn them off. So it's this, this understanding of how to surf the risk. Right now, I know that all could be a little daunting, but the truth is, anybody can learn how to close deals. In fact, you've probably closed deals. You just didn't think of it that way. But instead of it being luck, you need to develop it as a skill. It's a skill that could be taught. It's a skill that could be mastered. Right? And it's one of those skills where the rewards are huge. The more deals you close, the more money you make. And the more money you make, the more freedom you have to live the life that you want and to make sure that your loved ones are well taken care of. Those are, that's a good goal, in my opinion. So, I mean, I'm going to be real. I write what's that Donald Trump book, not, not to bring it. I am not a Trump humper. I hate Biden, though, too. I dislike them all. But he has a book called The Art of the Deal. Deals can be tough. You got to be persistent. You got to be determined. You've got to connect with people in a personal way. A lot of people don't like to do that, but you've got to. But if you got the right mindset, you can really make this happen. You can turn around. You can really have a lot of success in sales. Okay. You have to understand. First and foremost, you've got to provide value. Meaning something other people find valuable. You've got to know what their pain points are. That's kind of India's industry jargon. But really, it's understanding what is the problems that they're having, and you got to have a solution that addresses their challenges and then make it a way that they can afford it. That doesn't mean lowering your price. I mean, dude, I got the, uh, the an affiliate program, which is, I think it's very incredibly priced, honestly, but it is still high ticket when you compare it to other people and, and what you get, dude, minus through the roof value-wise, but it's still high ticket. It's like $10,000. But you, I can establish that value and people see the value. People, like we had people jump on this. Like, oh my God, this is a no-brainer. 
but some people may not be able to afford the 10 grand. So I came up with another solution because I wanted to succeed in sales. I wanted to help people. I wanted to, to have them benefit from the value of the work that I've done. So I broke it up and I carried the financing. Now, I also even went out and found a bank that would loan them the money. They got a 650 credit score. They can get a loan. I think it's like $200 a month and they pay it off. Just like any loan. 200 bucks a month, you break it up. I made my own where I carry the financing instead of the bank. And I said, listen, I'll do this for you. It's going to be uh, $24.95 down and $225 a month. Now, all of a sudden, it's affordable. You see that bigger ticket item, you're making it available to more people. So you've got to provide that value. You've got to understand the pain points. Another example, let's say you got uh, a small product. Like you've got something, maybe it's a service, maybe it's software, because we sell software too. It helps other businesses streamline their operations, right? So instead of simply just trying to pitch a product, instead try to understand the challenges that these businesses, these potential clients face, like maybe they have limited resources, maybe they have a high time constraint, maybe their processes are inefficient. Then you understand that you provide your solution that actually addresses each one of these challenges, right? Like cloud-based software, which is something we do that will automate repetitive tasks, reduces uh, human error because software saves time and money. Boom, all of a sudden you're like, how much time and money would this save you? You actually calculated it. Well, man, you pay for this on a monthly basis. You're going to actually be ahead. Do you understand? So you've got to not only demonstrate your expertise and credibility, but you have to show these clients that you care about their success and that you're committed to helping them achieve their goals. Make sense? So now, you've got to be an expert. You've got to solve problems. But you've also got to be able to develop this idea of building rapport, like building trust, building relationships. Because people buy from people they like and from people they trust. So you've got to be that guy. You've got to establish relationships built upon like a mutual respect, like an understanding, right? So simple way to do this, find common ground. Find common ground. For me, if, okay, so if I'm talking software, I've got to find some way for me to click with this particular prospect, this guy or girl or gal or whatever, and figure out like, how am I going to actually connect? Maybe it's over golf. Maybe it's because we have kids. They're the same age. I don't know. Common ground. Ask them. Oh yeah, what are your interests? What are you into? What do you do outside work? Right? So now you're connecting on a personal level. And it shows that you're not just some transactional salesperson, but you're actually a real person who cares about this other human being. Because you might even know like, oh man, your kid's into golf. Have you seen this, that, or this instructor or that coach? And now you're actually helping another business guy. You're helping this guy. And you don't even make any money. But through that help, you develop trust, which will help you then close your deal. Okay? And part of that is listening actively. Having real empathy for their situation. Okay? You've got, you can't just steamroll and just listen 
you know how people listen with the intent to like just speak? They're not actually processing the data. I'm guilty of that as anybody. I get excited about my subject and I just steamroll people, but that ain't going to help you close a deal. You've got to really hear people so you can understand that one of the things I do, instead of thinking in my head while I'm listening, instead of my responses, I'm excited to get my great response out. What I do is I actually just in my head silently to myself, repeat what they're saying as they're saying it. Bro, I mean, it's such a simple thing to do, but if you do that, you actually are actively listening. You'll be surprised at all the data that you pick up that you're missing when you're listening to your own thoughts, thinking about your response. Okay. Another thing you can do is um, you've got, this is all part of the art of persuasion. Okay. And persuasion can, can be just like anything, like a car or a gun or uh, uh, medicine, good or bad, right? You're going to have side effects. You, it, it, it's, kind of depending upon how it's used and that it, if it's used properly. But in sales, you've got to be able to persuade, like in closing a deal. When I close the deal with my wife, 18, we'll be married 18 years, three kids. We run three businesses, taking care of my aging folks. Like one of the best deals I ever made in my life, a beautiful woman gave me three kids, right? A huge deal, changed my life. I had to persuade her. I'd be like, man, yeah, you got to pick me, not Joe Schmo or whoever. <laughs> and you're going to have to do that, not just in your personal life, but in business. Why should somebody Why should somebody come to scientific wrestling instead of somebody else? Oh, well, I'm going with this guy. He's cheaper. All right, go. You get what you pay for, man. You get what you pay for. Go there. They were not endorsed by the legend Frank Shamrock. They were not granted exclusivity by the greatest wrestler documented by the Guinness Record book as the greatest American pitter, world record, world greatest pitter. The only one who has a curriculum code of, they're all ripoffs. They don't know what they're doing. Like you could go with them. I get it, man. But you get what you pay for. And not only that, my stuff ain't, that much expensive. What you're actually buying is crap. That's very expensive crap. I'm giving you very, very inexpensive gold. Do you, do you feel where I'm going on this? How that works? How you actually have to like make this case? One of the things that works fantastic is this idea of social proof, right? Social proof is the idea that like, people will, uh, take a specific action if they see others doing the same thing, right? So if you're selling a product, testimonials are a great thing that, you, that, that demonstrates that other people found value in your product. Repeat customers. Again, sales and dating, I think, again, I've been on that realm for 18 years, but I do find a lot of similarities. Um, if you had X, or if you're all old dates were really hot looking chicks, Hot look at chicks will be more likely to go out with you. It's just social proof. I don't know what to tell you. It's the same as testimonials. What's up, Kendo Jedi? CWO with the number one. Says, I can't wait for camp this month. Dude, it's going to be fun, man. We're going to have a blast. It's a grind. It's a grind, but you'll be fun. It's super awesome. Let's see. Did I miss any other comments in here? 
got a lot of people jumping on. I appreciate you. Um, so another thing that's important for you to understand, okay, like just giving you some examples here. Social proof is one. Um, scarcity. That's another. I'll give you an example. Okay. Let's say I'm a car salesman. Man, you could totally buy. I get it. You could buy this car. Your cousin, you know, you get an objection. Oh, well, my cousin's a car salesman, so I'm going to buy for him. Dude, I get it. That's your cousin. That's your blood. You want to help them out. I might even consider doing the same thing. But I want you to understand something. And I'm not. Now notice I am, but I'm not. I'm not saying that he's getting the deal out of nepotism or anything like that. I totally understand it. Like I said, I'd probably do the th same thing. And I'd try to sell to my cousin. But I want you to understand something. Because I don't know your cousin. And you know your cousin very well. I don't know him. Um, but when you get this deal, you're not just buying the car, the same car you could get from your cousin. You're getting me. You need to get something fixed on this car. There's a problem. You call me at 2 a.m. I'm telling you that right now. I'll write it on a I'll send you an email so you have written. You understand that scarcity of the, that it's me. There's only one me. Right? Scarcity is the idea that people are more likely to take action if they feel like there's a limited supply. Look at what happened to toilet paper during lockdowns. It was worth more than oil. Crazy. Now it's based on scarcity thinking in, in closing the deal. Okay. So listen. All of those are just kind of tricks. You don't want to be manipulative. You want to be straightforward. You want to be transparent. But the most important thing that you've got to do is you've got to have a very positive mindset. You have to. If you're desperate, if you aren't willing to walk away, you're going to end up making a bad deal. I've been there. Okay. So do not be afraid of rejection or of rejecting a bad deal. So closing a deal doesn't mean just closing it because you totally bend yourself over and take a bad deal. But also rejection is huge. And so how do you solve that? By having a gigantic pipeline, meaning tons and tons of potential leads. Does that make sense? So, you cannot be afraid of rejecting either a bad deal or the idea of rejection if somebody says no. You've just got to be positive. You got to learn from your mistakes and you have to keep pushing forward. All right. So, you do this, I guarantee you will have more deals than possible, but you have to really take a dart and be persistent. So, I hope that was of some use to you guys. Um, Man, I can't believe it's snowing out here right now. It's awful. I'm so ripped. Me in Florida. I've thought about Florida, Vegas, and potentially Arizona. Arizona falls out for me because they have an income tax, whereas uh, Vegas, Nevada, and uh, Florida don't have a state income tax. Um, clearly, Vegas has or Nevada has Vegas. Um, and it, pretty much Vegas and Arizona are almost a wash. And then what makes it different for me is the income tax and then actually having, uh, you know, the city of Las Vegas and Nevada. 
But then when I start comparing Vegas with Florida, okay, I like Vegas because I like Nevada because Vegas, I have family there. Um, you know, I love, you know, the income tax thing is a wash. I love the fact that it's four hours from LA or San Diego. Those are all very positive. However, I've already kind of done that. I've been in, I lived in California for more than a dozen years. So I almost feel like been there, done that. A coyote strong combat fitness out there. Expensive shit to any expensive gold. Love saying that, coach. <laughs> I mean, really, man. There's okay. So there are so many people. Now, this isn't the thing. I don't get down on it. I used to get mad. So many people, like, I would be, oh, man, this guy's ripping me off or it's a knockoff. Okay. Yeah. And that's what you should expect if you're actually a leader. Nobody's knocking them off. You're getting knocked off because your stuff is valuable and they're just trying to cheat it by jumping on your coattails, maybe using the same kind of branding or marketing, um, dropping names that they don't actually have, you know, stuff like that. So um, I've just had to come to terms with this and I've had to think about it very deeply. This is what happens when you get thrown in the mix, right? When you get pushed off the, the, the high dive or you got to go get on a, in a match and you got thousands of people watching, you got to go. And, and that's why I believe like you need to just pull the trigger and do it. Make sense? Now, I'm not saying don't do it without a plan. You need a plan and you want to make sure you know what you're doing and everything's studied up so you're prepared as best as possible. But you can't like stop that. Right? Uh, Demi Goon says, I loved your work with Say Uncle, man. Awesome. Awesome. I don't understand that, uh, that last thing while we're training. I'm not sure how that, I, I'm just not understanding. But thank you, man. Yeah, I love that book. Um, you know, wrote that in 2011. It's over 12 years old. And that thing's still selling like hotcakes. Um, I really think that this Endeavor deal, man, it, it just proves the thesis that I put forth in 2003 with scientific wrestling. And everything's converging on it. We look at the statistics. Wrestling, folk style or scholastic wrestling, i.e. amateur catches catch can, is the biggest predictor of winners in martial arts, mixed martial arts, than any other base training. Wrestling. We even had the Rotola brothers saying it. Everybody's saying it now. Everybody's jumping on this wrestling bandwagon that we've been pushing for over 20 years. So that's very satisfying. Then to see uh, WWE and UFC, really essentially this strange merger happening uh, thanks to uh, Ari Emanuel at, at Endeavor, which is crazy because what I've learned from this deal now, you know, valuations are sometimes made up. You find out a true value when you sell something. It's like a house. Your house could be valued at a million dollars, but if you only sell it for 600000 the real value is $600,000. So. Um, you know, they're throwing around these valuations. I've heard everything from $20 billion company in Endeavor now to 35, I think 34 billion was one I heard. Um, and it could be true. 
I mean, there's different ways you can value things. I, I did valuations uh, professionally as a statistician and a quant for investment in mortgage banking. But though, you know, like I said, it's when the sale happens is where it really happens. But beyond, you know, uh, scholastic folk style, amateur catches catch can being the biggest predictor of mixed martial arts champions, which has been, I mean, that's statistical. It's fact. I mean, I don't give a shit. You can argue all you want. It doesn't matter. Um, but then now, to have Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel and all these, and, and Dana White still staying president of UFC, that's staying the same. But what's interesting is in the deal, Vince is a 49% shareholder and Endeavor is 51. So they have controlling, Endeavor has controlling share, but Vince has 49% of the company. That's crazy. And from what I understand, this deal went through because he was going to maintain creative controls. Oh, I don't know how this is going to play out. Like, what is going to be the level of um, independence that the, the UFC has? I believe, and I've said this from day one, we, Scientific Wrestling, for 20 years have been the guys pushing the idea of competitive professional wrestling again real competitive professional wrestling grappling competitive grappling under professional wrestling rules i've been using that phrase for decades and so now to see this this is absolutely amazing i would be very very surprised if i don't start getting a knock on the door from one of these organizations one endeavor <laughs> meaning ufc wwe i do have some some decent connections in there. But two, possibly guys like Tony Khan or, or even Billy Corgan or these guys running these next tier level um, professional wrestling groups and possibly uh, MMA groups like Bellator. Um, I, cannot, I could see them knocking on my door because now they need to do what Endeavor will be doing, having theatrical and competitive all in. I mean, that's really what UFC is, is all in wrestling, uh, competitive all in, where you have punches, kicks, and submissions, although they took out the pin. So it's hard to call it wrestling if there's no pin. But uh, Debbie Goon, who is the best catches catch can wrestler right now? Uh, you know, that's a good question. The only people really having regular competitions in catches catch can. Hey guys, it's Coach Jake with the number one podcast. And, you know, at number one coaching, we know that small business owners struggle to scale and increase their revenues. So we're here to help you. We believe that every single entrepreneur deserves the chance to win beyond their wildest dreams so that they can have peace of mind and abundance. We do that by increasing your revenue, teaching your sales strategies to increase your revenue, demolishing employee disengagement. And we do that really by transforming your sales managers into coaches that are concerned with putting points on the board, but those points are revenue. I want to help you. I'm here to help you. You don't have to go through your business life, complacent, just accepting, reacting. Let's take charge.
Let's win. You can head over to numberonecoaching.com, schedule an appointment. It's free. We can do a strategy session, 15 minutes for free. Numberonecoaching.com. Thanks. And this is a hard question, right? Because a lot of the guys, so for example, in the Arizona King of Catch, where we've got Luis Ojeda in San Diego, and we've got uh, Gil uh, Olivas in Phoenix, in Glendale, running these regular tournaments. They're the only guys really running them frequently, in particular in Gil's case, like fairly frequently. So do you mean active guys doing the sport? Do you mean guys who fly the flag as a catch wrestler in MMA or in grappling? Do you mean amateur catches catch can like the NCAAs, like Andrew Alarez and, and these other guys, Spencer Lee and all these? I mean, it's, it, I'd have to get a better definition of, of exactly the metric that you're looking for. Um, obviously, you know, Josh Barnett's kind of uh, aging. He's still a crazy, had crazy longevity. Great human being, by the way. Tougher than hell. Uh, but great longevity in the sport. But, you know, he's doing less and less because he's in his 40s and has been at the high levels taking abuse for decades, dude. Decades and decades. Like, unbelievable uh, career. <laughs> Athletic career that Barnett has had. And I don't think, you know, he doesn't toot his own horn enough uh, on that. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the longevity of, and Randy Couture is a great one, but, you know, all these other guys that are kind of typical. And, um, I, man, I don't think that Josh gets enough of that. You know, I don't think he gets enough of that. So, um, Demigan, guys who can fly the, the flag of catch in submission grappling. Um, so is that how you define the best catch wrestler? Because submission grappling is not catch wrestling. Um, and you know, like if you, I've already made some posts on Instagram about this where, um, these, uh, yeah, Carmen makes a great point. Hi, punchy facey out in Canada. Uh, Victor Henry. Yeah. I think there is a strong case pound for pound. Victor Henry's a bad dude. Uh, you could see that if you go to the King of catch San Diego, um, uh, tournament, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Debbie, I don't know right now. Dude, you're asking me, you pressure me. I don't know right now. There's a lot of guys out there and it's going to require a little more thought. Um, so if you want my answer, you're going to, I'm going to have to think about it. I think that uh, Carmen makes a good point. Probably Victor Henry, because he's not only dominated every uh, catch as catch can uh, match that he's gotten in, but he's also very dominant in MMA UFC. So I, I think that, you know, that's a great, uh, that's a great point. I, I concur. I think with y'all uh, at the top of my head, um, uh, Carmen. Yeah, Victor Henry's pretty badass. Uh, but there's a lot of really tough guys out there, man. Um, you know, this is something that Billy used to talk about is that, you know, some of the toughest guys you never heard of, right? Uh, Demi Goon, is MMA the biggest proxy? You know, I, I, I personally believe so because um, typically catch as catch can is not really big on decisions, meaning like, you know, there was a lot of draws and stuff. They didn't have point systems. Now amateur catch as catch can is different. They started adding in, uh, different criteria so you could judge a match. Um, yeah, I'm too philosophical, man. It opens too many cans of worms for me 
this is why I write because then I sit down and I think it out and I process the whole thing. But, you know, extemporaneously, sometimes these questions just only bring more questions uh, because some of them are ill to find. The thing is, is catch wrestling is so massive in its impact. And I find that, you know, a lot of people like, I know that like some of these, and I don't know, if, if you're offended and I call you a fucking meathead, too bad. I'm sorry. But there's a lot of these more like meathead people that are just like, oh, well, it's all grappling, do to do. And it's like, okay, get out. The, the fucking grownups want to have a talk or the people actually serious about knowledge and learning want to actually have a fucking talk because they are different and they're different based on the rule sets based upon the history, based upon the culture, all these things. But I would put catch as catch can at the top of every list. Billy did that. And I just thought, oh, well, Billy's just kind of got pride and whatnot. But when I actually sat down and thought about it, I'm like, okay, this is, you could quantify this. So if we look at a sport, or like a martial art or combat sport. Just call them the same thing. But we use the criteria, like quantitative criteria by which to determine the impact. How much influence? What has it done? So Catch as Catch Can starts, we give it a date in the 1870s-ish, okay? It starts. It's big. Matches with uh, Gotch and Hackenschmidt drew enormous crowds enormous crowds and that had been going on so let's say from 1870 until let's say where it really started getting corrupt 1910 so 40 40 maybe even 50 years of just pure catches catch catch guys evan strangle lewis tom connors bibby um uh tom jenkins hackenschmidt all the, the it was big it was bigger than boxing, bigger. Football didn't even exist. Basketball didn't really exist. Like, it was massive. Then the work comes in and it, it splits. I'm just talking the U.S. And this happens globally too, but I'm using the U.S. as a microcosm of the macro. So it splits. You have one group of people like, okay, we're just going to go full-on vaudeville, full-on theater, full-on bullshit, slam bang pow, gold dust trio, all the way up to McMahon to wwe then we have this other group said no 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 we're we're gonna do it serious and we're gonna do everything blah, 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 blah. and that's amateurs folk style here in the united states freestyle international splits so now you've got all those people from catch wrestling in that 40 50 years which is massive if you count every fan athlete coach and person involved in promotion or in the business side that's a huge number of people just with catch. Then you have that split. And it's actually kind of a three-way split because you've got pro wrestling. Dude, top 10 YouTube channels. WWE's got a top 10 of the planet with like Mr. Beast and these other crazy people. That's a lot of people. Lots of people. WWE, count up the fans, the athletes, coaches, and the business people and promoters involved. Impact, add that to the ones from the catch wrestling, 50 years of catch wrestling. Then add the folk style or amateur catches catch can in the States, the scholastic, peewees, junior high school, college, 
fans, athletes, coaches, promoters. Add that to the bunch of people from WWE style pro wrestling. Add that from the catches, catch can. Now you had the folk style. Then you had 119 years of Olympic freestyle. Fans, athletes, coach. Dude, this thing is massive. And you do that since, so let's say, 1870 to, to 1920, okay, for catch. And then from 20 till today with scholastic, uh, well, freestyle amateur started in eight, uh, 1904. So 119, dude, it's just the gener, it's like generations. Pro wrestling is the longest episodic television show in history. It was one of the first shows on TV. So massive. Like, you can't even, re- I mean, it's so huge. It's hundreds of millions, if not a billion people or more that have been impacted by this combat sport martial art. Jiu-jitsu, dude. I'm sorry. And it's so funny because now I, did, I saw a video of uh, Craig Jones. Great guy, by the way. Love the guy. Why are you calling what you're doing jiu-jitsu when you're doing, oh, just stand up and all that? Like, why are you guys using this ridiculous language? It's not going to stand the test of time. You're going to be on the wrong side of history, man. There's already so much precedent and documentation. It's ridiculous. You need to knock it off. Why are you using these like, Ashi, oh, Ashi this, Ashi that. Here, you know what? Two, that's two syllables. Let's just talk efficiency. Let's talk two syllables. Ashi, leg lock. Ashi's not even in the same fucking language, man. That's a whole other language. Leg lock. That's an American, that's like an English word. (laughs) I don't get it. Anyway, I'm not worried about it because you can see what's happening. The Endeavor deal proves it. The statistics, like I said, of wrestling predicting MMA champs. And and yeah, so I do believe MMA is the better proxy because the rule sets, you know, some of these sets, like, they don't favor a wrestler. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that from amateur wrestling that go into Abu Dhabi's, but then they mix it. And it's hard to get this purest fantasy about catches catch can. You know, I think it's always best. I think of catch in two ways. One, as a rule set that always has pins. So, you know, and the catch wrestlers, they would do grappling matches without the pins. They'd call it grappling, right? Uh, But it's a rule set. And then there is a canon of technique, things like half crabs, all that. I mean, that's where I was going with this this, uh, Craig Jones thing is now I see all these jiu-jitsu guys doing like, Boston crabs and pinning and cradles. And it's like, oh, yes, that's jujitsu, right? Dude, if I took a time machine back just 15 years, man, I was pushing this. I was the same. They've all changed, but they've tried to like change the language. It's the weirdest thing, man. It's the weirdest thing. Hey, what's up, Marco? Happy to see you, dude. Uh, Demi Goon, love catch, though. Well, good. So do I, man. We're in good company. Um, all right. This show is going long as it always does because I get bullshit and you guys ask me questions and I love it. Uh, but I'm going to wrap it for today. I uh, hope this uh, helped you guys figure out how to close more deals, what it takes. It does take persistence, man. It takes consistency. Above all else, if you want to succeed in anything, you have to get your hands dirty over a long period of time. 
You've got to learn from your mistakes. And that's just the basis for all of it. Nobody wants to do that anymore. People have all these bullshit excuses and stuff. You know, I don't, I don't get it. You got to just jump off the high dive. You got to just know that it's going to be okay and go. And it will be okay. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you guys. Hit me up in the DMs if I can hit you, if I can help you. And, you know, who do you know that I can help? Do you know somebody that wants to be a part of this incredible chain, a link, a legendary link in a chain of like amazing masters and athletes, students that is scientific wrestling? Send them over. They can come to camp. We've got Denver coming up at the end of this month. It's going to be amazing. I just made a new poster. Check it out. Uh, come to Denver. Coaching catch. Sign up. Come hang out, man. Where you get? We'll hang out. We'll talk business. We'll talk wrestling. We'll talk all those things. How to win. How to succeed. You know, it's so funny. Like, uh, yeah, I talked to some of my guys. And we see like, you know, you see like this like men's movement shit. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like these retreats where people spend like $3,000 so they can go wake up and have somebody scream at them and go and be a man and, uh, and then cry with each other. And I, it's cool, man. If you're doing that and you're spending three grand, man, more power to you, okay? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like this men's movement shit? Like, uh, what is it? Lions, not lambs, and all these, like, I, I don't even know the names of them. I just see them on my feed sometimes. And uh, I just am like, why aren't you guys coming to a, a camp? Come to a camp, dude. It's going to be like 10% that cost, first of all. Second of all, Dude, I'm going to run you through the Gotch Bible. I'm going to do it. These are all things that will make you cry. These will make a real man or woman out of you. <laughs> and we're going to learn all this great stuff. And it's very challenging. I, I mean, I just almost feel like, like if I just, if I multiplied the, the price by 10, 10x, and then added a session where everybody could cry, and dude, I'd be making so much more money. I don't know how else to, Coyote Strong Combat Fitness says, I do. I had a boxing client come back from something like that. I mean, I'm in the wrong business, dude. These guys, they charge, they charge like, I know one guy charging like three grand for a weekend and he gets like 15 guys. He's making like 45 grand in a fucking weekend. And like, they just like do yoga and cry and like, I don't even understand this shit. Like, I understand that younger generations of men in particular are having lower testosterone, but holy shit, you don't have to pay that kind of money. I mean, you can. I'm not begrudging it. If I could get away with charge, it's weird. It's like martial arts got this ceiling, but there are some people. It's, it's surprising to me. Like, you know, I'll look at somebody like um, somebody sent me a flyer for like uh, a Danaher seminar. And I'm like, dude. You're going to pay like $250 for three hours. You're going to learn like three techniques and just get a photo with this guy. And that's $300. I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. If somebody out there can help me figure that out so I can make more money out of this thing, 
but you know, I've been doing it for 20 years and I've done a great job. I just don't, it doesn't sit right with me. You come to scientific wrestling camp, you're going to pay the same price, like less than $300. You're going to get two days. You're going to get lifetime membership to like a great site. You're going to have, I will get somebody like Wade, man. And Dan is a great guy, very smart. But compared to Wade and his accomplishments or, you know, like learning that curriculum or learning uh, from Josh Barnett or learning from Billy Robinson or it baffles the shit out of me. Uh, <laughs> it baffles me. Uh, it, bot drone er. I think that's how you say it. He just laughed, said, ha ha ha. That's something I said. And then says, Jake, what's your take on the whole 46 million jujitsu compensation? So I talked in depth about this yesterday. I'll give you um, the, I'll give you the nutshell version of what I think. I think it is awful what happened all around. There's nobody who's, who's benefiting from this. The guy who got hurt, I think it was a freak accident. First of all, I don't think it was intentional. And that's why I think he's not the only one harmed by this. This poor guy, I can't even know, I don't even know his name. Some second degree black belt guy. Um, he's ruined. No, nobody will ever insure him again. His livelihood probably taken from him. Um, it's tragic. And then the industry as a whole, dude, this is a kind of bullshit that puts a chill on shit and starts attracting the wrong kind of ambulance, you know, like, uh, those guys that, that fake like they're sick on disability for their job. Like, it's just, uh, it's just off. It's just awful all the way around. That's my opinion. Um, I did have a solution. I think that gyms, one, need to take advantage of my, my what my super innovative business guy, I love it. He's just starting out. I think that this, if, if things happen right and the right people get to him, he can make killing in this thing because he's providing value. Uh, grappling insurance, basically accidental death and dismemberment insurance. And so what I would do, what I recommend is that if, like, let's say you own a gym and this thing freaks you out, it's like $46 million on a freak accident. Um, what I would do is, one, make sure that my waivers are tight as hell. Okay, super tight. I'd even videotape like, hi, welcome to our gym. I just want you to sign off right now on video saying that you are doing this. I made you watch the video of this guy getting his neck broke and you're still wanting to do this and you promise not to sue me. You promise. This is your decision. So waiver, I'd get a video. I would get that accidental death and dismemberment and I would make everybody that joins my gym, uh, I would actually bake it into the, I think it's like $10 a month, something like that. Maybe it's 15. And I would bake that into the price of uh, monthly. So if you're charging 150 bucks a month, I would charge 165 and throw this in and then sell it as a benefit. Look, man, you come in here and you break your pinky. You, you're covered. You can go to the emergency clinic. You, it's free to get it fixed. That I think would help. And then the last thing is to buy something that I've had for 20 years as an entrepreneur, and that's um, uh, legal shield, like prepaid legal. It's like legal insurance, having an, an attorney on retainer, but at an affordable uh, rate. So that would be, I think you can completely solve this problem and mitigate the risk uh, by taking that approach. But I think it's all nonsense. Outlaw Grappling Lab says the white belt was not a novice 
and Renner is being political to save his background. He's blah, blah, blah. I don't know about all that shit. I know that the guy made, he was getting like $3,000 an hour as an expert witness and then just fucked the whole industry over. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to get political. I'm just going to say this. Um, I'm very careful who I do business with. Do you know what I mean? And I've made mistakes. I've, I've done business with people that I found out are like, oh my God. This, I even did business with a guy and so many people know me will know this. Guy's a felon. Like, really bad, abusive, alcoholic type. And I even was like, man, I guess my better judgment, I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to like have a forgiveness. Jesus, I'm going to be like a Jesus guy. And I'm just going to turn the other cheek. Man, mistake, mistake. So where I'm going with this is like, and and you can't, yeah, I don't blame, like, you know, the, you hear these fallacies, like the sins of the father, because the father was a criminal, does not mean that the children, they shouldn't be held liable for what the, you know. But, but there is something to me in the culture of jujitsu that is very toxic. And I don't know what it is, if it is something from Brazilian tough guy culture or what it is. But, you know, the way things on Rafino Dos Santos getting jumped when he won as a catch wrestler in Brazil and then got jumped by four or five guys with I'm going to say it. I mean, I know Henzo Gracie's a great guy, but dude, when he bends spikers or whatever, that judo guy that he's fighting way back, and he knocked him out, you won. And then he stepped on a down man's neck. <clears throat> like, and then I saw what really, I'll be honest, those are things I learned later, but what turned me off from wanting to get involved with, with uh, any of the Gracie stuff and again, I'm not making a blanket indictment. I'm just bringing out the people that made me like, yeah, I just, and it's unfortunate because I know there's scummy people that get turned off on catch because they're dealing with people like this felon or whatever, and they get a bad taste in their mouth and it makes all of us look bad. So I'm trying not to do that. Um, but, you know, like when I was involved uh, in the early 90s, like 94 was when I first started getting involved. And I went and I, uh, in 95, I started training with Carly Gracie in San Francisco. And I just heard all this stuff where Carly was having a hard time because Horion was trying, because he's a lawyer, trying to own the Gracie name and stopping anybody else that didn't have the legal shit to use their own name and their own experience in jiu-jitsu with it. And I was like, whoa, dude, these, this is sketchy. I don't like, I don't like litigious people because I'm a business guy. To me, all the billionaires, all the high level business guys I've ever met, they're like, dude, you bring an attorney in when you want to kill a deal. Attorneys are great for that. Talking about how to close a deal today, you want to destroy one, bring in an attorney, right? Now that doesn't mean like I'm pushing prepaid legal. You need them. They're like like your pit bulls. They're like insurance. They're like police. They help you. But, you know, you don't want to just bring them into every situation, right? You bring police to a nonviolent situation, somebody could get shot and killed. It happens when it probably, the cops shouldn't have been probably called and people would have been alive. And then you blame the cop. But all I'm saying is that, you know, I just got a bad taste in my mouth. And now look, 
professional wrestling ain't any better. I mean, look at all the stuff that it's crazy that uh, the stuff that McMahon has gotten away with. And here he is sitting on top of the world again. Wild. Now the guy's 78. I have the amount of steroid and drugs that guy's done. I have no idea how he's still going, but absolutely uh, nuts, nuts. It's fascinating. I do find it all fascinating. That's what draws me in. I'm absolutely 100% obsessed with catch as catch can wrestling. And by default, touches all the derivatives, right? So I, my obsession with catch then bleeds into folk style. I really am like, oh man, NCAAs, oh, you know, scholastic. And then it bleeds out into the Olympics. Oh, and then it bleeds out, you know, like who's doing one in freestyles? How's America doing? And then it bleeds out into pro wrestling. You know, I still, I'll still to this day, I watched WrestleMania right? and, or, or Bloodsport, right? Josh's promotion. And then it bleeds out not only that into MMA, not just old Shudo, Pancrase, that stuff, but, or Pride, but UFC, one, Bellator. I, I'm just absolutely obsessed. I'm, I'm sure some of you guys are too, man. It's like once you get by, bit by the bug, it is a very deep rabbit hole and it's absolutely fa fascinating. The history, how it's interwoven with like, in particularly America, it's very American. Um, <laughs> MMA and pro wrestling and catch wrestling. Even though I think it originally came from, uh, from England, well, I think it was documented in England. I think really it was the Irish. It was, a, you know, when you look at the history, it was like, it was definitely a melting pot. It was a hybrid sport like MMA. Um, anyway, I can go on and on. Guys, I really appreciate you hanging out with me this long. Um, hit me up. You got questions, whatever. You can DM me. If I can help somebody with their business through uh, sales training, through um, business development, which is bigger than sales. It's a little bit of marketing, a little bit of sales, a little bit of operations, getting them all integrated in a line so that they'll work together. Uh, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, and excited, man. You guys got to come out to Denver at the end of this month. Come on out to Denver. You're going to love it, man. Come on out. It's going to be gorgeous. I know I said it was snowing today, but by the end of this month, it is so beautiful, dude. End of April, beginning of May is like... Summer's great. But spring and fall are so fantastic in Colorado. So, uh, Intero Help says, thank you for this. Well, thank you for tuning in, man. It's just me bullshitting. You guys get access to my brain without paying the high prices for about an hour or so. All right, guys, I'm going to check you later. Hit me up in the DMs if I can help. Uh, Nature Boy, 10th Planet, good show today, coach. Thanks, dude. I am putting together package. By the way, let's give uh, Nate a big round of applause. Nature Boy, 10th Planet. Might need to get him to change that to Nature Boy SW for scientific wrestling. Um, he is uh, taking us up, up on the offer. We're onboarding him as we speak. He is our newest uh, sales development rep. That's where we're starting him out. Hopefully he can hit the milestones and we can bring him on full time. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, let's see. Anthony. Oh, what's up, Anthony? This was good. I got the end of it, but I loved it. Good, dude. And the cool thing is, you can go watch the beginning. If it was valuable and you think you could get more out of it, at the beginning of the show, I was talking about, you know, how do you close more deals and make more money? And not just money, but like deals. Like talked about the deal in my marriage. How did I had to close that. Uh, Carmen, see you soon, coach. Yeah, thanks, dude. 
All right, guys, I will see you soon. Hit me up in the DMs if I can help you. And uh, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. And as ever, please, if you enjoyed this episode, share it, pass it along, hit like, all that, smash the like button, whatever. Please help us get the word out. My mission is to help as many people as possible. Head over also to numberonecoaching.com. We are here to help you with your small business, help it succeed, help it grow, and help you thrive and become number one.